is not ours tonight because we're having guest problems, but that will be resolved at some point. I am David Philp, your professor, Professor David Philp. You may call me Professor David Kirk Philp. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio 88.7 on your FM dial. Stream us live, gobrave.org. We're all on the campus of William Patterson, the University, scenic Wayne Township, New Jersey. Send us a postcard Hello. at 07470. We are here with the man of the hour, the Hall of Fame, Dr. Esteban Marconi. That Dr. Esteban. Is- I, yes, taking the back seat, of course, to Professor David Kirk Philp. It is good to have you here. Well, thank you, but last week we had hiatus. That's right, it was spring break at William Yes, thank goodness. And spring break is broken, we're back. So I haven't seen you in two weeks. It's been sad. Yeah. (laughs) Dark times, Dr. Steve. Yeah, but we now are steady right to the end, aren't we? We have a brand new show from today through Christmas. Wow. And probably well, no, beyond. No, that's not true. Yeah, because because we're gonna have new show. There will be one, when, one fake one rerun uh, on May when we're in Nashville, eighteenth or something. When but we're that's in Nashville, yeah. that's right. right. So I lied. I, I lied to the listeners about the right. all new shows, and I'd like to apologize to the listeners and all their friends. Boy, the semester is flying by, isn't it? It's like a pig flying. Really, pigs flying. What's the weather like? Right now, it's nice. Very but, nice. But you never know. It's March. So who is in the booth with us? Well, right now, we have our producer extraordinaire. Her name is Bianca Russo. Her name is Bianca Russo. She's the producer extraordinaire. Very good. Extraordinary gal she is. We have a student co-host of the evening. Mm-hmm. Her name is Ariana Gates. We may call her Ariana. Ariana Gates, a student co-host. Hi, how are you? Great. How are you doing, I'm Ariana? Doing great. So good to have you tonight. <laughs> You're a pop major. You know the word pop is a palindrome, spelled right or left. It's still spelled pop. That's super cool. Like mm. race car. Nope. Completely yes. different. Yes. Yes. Race I was right. car. Oh, race car is like that, too. I thought I kind yes. of pulled that out of my uh, butt, but I, that was in the back <laughs> of my brain somewhere. That is, that's, that's good. Um, uh, Bob is also a palindrome, and there are many more, and maybe that will be the homework for our listeners tonight. And palindrome itself is a <clears throat> great word. It is. Now, tell right. us, Ariana, uh, why you chose you, – you transferred to William Patterson University. Yeah. From where did you transfer? I spent my freshman and sophomore year at Hofstra University in Long Island, uh, and I was a music major there. Mm-hmm. But it was too classically based, and I, I'm a wannabe pop star, so I wanted to come to a school that had a program where lots of other people come to because they want to be artists. So now I get to be surrounded by friends all day who want to do what I want to do. That's great. And this is your second semester here. Yes. And you graduate a year from now, a year yes. from this coming May. Which is truly horrifying. Very good. Yeah, Did you awesome. know Lisa Bremer? Yes. We were in the same music theory class, two semesters in a row. There we go. Another student who's yeah. studying the music business who is a transfer from Hofstra. Lisa. That's right. That's right. Give her a shout out. And we'll have her on the show sometime soon. Uh, let us remind you. So our guest for the evening, his name is Todd Glassman. He's the head of promotions at Epic Records. He um, is on a train right now. So he's trying to turn our show into a train wreck. But that's not going to happen because we know... <laughs> that Ariana Gates has a dad named Larry, and Larry's in a band called The Hitmen. Mm-hmm. And they're actually a very interesting band, so Larry's going to give us a call in a couple minutes. Before he does, we should give all of our thanks. Shouldn't we, Dr. Stable? All right, first of all, by the way, go to musicbiz101wp.com, sign up for our newsletter, follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the face of the book, at musicbiz101wp. And, of course, what you're listening to now will be a podcast within a week or two, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. Now... 
We want to thank the Music Biz Association. You should save the date from May 16th through the 18th, 2016. When Music Biz goes to Music Biz in the Music City, we, your Music Biz 101 More Radio Show, will be at the Music Biz 2016 convention in Nashville with a whole slew, a whole mess of students. A oh, whole mess of them. A baker's dozen plus one. I know. A whole <laughs> bunch of them. And we're yes. going to be interviewing industry pros, making connections, and that's when we were talking about when we're saying that we're going to have brand new shows. We're going to probably do, I think there are 19 total students participating, so 19 times two. That'll be 36 shows we're going to uh, wow. make at this. So we're going to be busy. We're going to be busy. That's about 36 hours of work in Nashville. And then we want to give thanks. We're not going to Nashville without the help of the folks at Van Dyno Inc. and White Hat Management. You know, Steve, with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, Sharon Jones, the Dap Kings, and Kiss, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you are ready. St. Vincent went to him. Sleater Kinney. Right. That's right. Very um, cool. Yeah, those are all very cool. And then we should give one more thanks before we get to the man of the hour, Larry Larry Gates. We also want to give thanks to Christine Vay, who's a wealth manager and the president of Vay Wealth Management. You see, Steve, Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson That's to true. manage. Yeah, she this, uh, me. None of this. She's helped you. You've, you've needed lots of help with your money woes. I did. She's helped them manage their investments and plan out their retirement. If you listener are looking for some guidance on how to plan your retirement or you have questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance and retirement planning you should give christine a call at 732-455-1510 and you know what steve they can always email her yes they can christine at com for advisement and remember no portfolio is too small <laughs> That is right. The bigger the portfolio, the bigger the friend you are of Christine's. That's right. That's our words, not hers. So nobody sue her for that. Okay. So now we, do we have our good friend Larry Gates? I know somebody named Larry Gaines. That's why I keep Larry pausing. Gaines. Larry Gaines. That's why I keep pausing before I say Larry Gates. Mm -hmm. So Larry Gates. Let's get it together. You're on the radio. You Is you on the line with us, Larry Gates? I am indeed. Hey, Dad. <clears throat> hey. How are you, Junior? Good. Okay. So, so here's the is deal. Any relation to I, Bill? I know. There's, there's some nepotism in this. If you this ask him if there's any relation to Bill Gates, he'll say no. no le yes, but less money. Oh. No. No. What I would joke. say is same last name, less money. Oh. Ah. Sorry, I screwed that I up for you. Switch, uh, okay. I was work on the delivery. Yeah, I'll work on the delivery. Isn't much, isn't much better, but I got you know. a while. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so Larry, we got you because it's funny. I was in Cape May. Last weekend, uh, on Friday, I was at this uh, singer-songwriter convention called Singer-Songwriter Kate May and giving a speech about some stuff. And as I took a, a walk along the boardwalk, I saw a sign, and it said, Artists Coming Down to Kate May this spring, this summer. And there was a picture of the Hitmen. And I sent your daughter a, did I tweet you? You tweeted me, I yes. tweeted your daughter, and I said, this is your dad's band, right? And she quickly replied and said, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And so, and so our guest being not here at the moment, we figured, uh, hey, let's see if we can get Larry on, talk about the hitmen, and learn a little bit about what you're doing. And I was telling uh, our co-host, Dr. Steve Marconi, um, about you a little bit today, in fact, yep. coincidentally. So why don't you just give us a little uh, idea of what the hitmen is and what you're all about? Well, the hitmen is the brainchild of one Lee Shapiro, uh, who is uh, a friend of mine of 
52 years, but I'll get into more of that later. But Lee uh, is our keyboard player and our drummer, Jerry Pulci. The two of them were two of Frankie's Four Seasons all through the 70s and 80s. Uh, they, they, they were like the second iteration of the Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. And they saw with the great success of Jersey Boys on Broadway that there would be uh, a good kind of way we could lever ourselves, leverage ourselves into the, you know, the circuit by, you know, advertising that we have two actual four seasons. And mm-hmm. thought it would be a good time to put together a band. So they called me and invited me to join. And uh, we uh, enlisted the services of the good Mr. Jim Ryan, who uh, was Carly Simon's guitar player for 21 years and has played with Jim Croce and Cat Stevens and Paul McCartney and The Doors. And you, those mm-hmm. guys played with everybody. And, uh, and then finally rounding it out is Russ Velasquez on second keyboards and uh, extremely great vocals. And he sung with Luther Vandross and Carol King and, uh, oh, my God, just a, a who's who of, of jingle singers cool and bands. And uh, he's also a, a composer who's a four-time Emmy nominee for uh, his compositions for Sesame Street. He makes Grover sing. Mm. Um, so, and and I, my musical history is <clears throat> uh, I had a music production company back in the 80s, did a lot of um, radio, TV commercials, um, Probably the one you'd remember the most is, I don't want to grow up on the Toys R Us kids. You wrote that? I didn't write it. I uh. produced it and uh, played on it and, you know, mm-hmm. came out of my music production company, which was called Newfound Music Productions. And we had a 4,000-square-foot space on 26 and Broadway in Manhattan. And mm-hmm. through that kind of nexus, I wound up working with artists like, um, uh, in the jazz world, Herbie Hancock and... Uh, um, just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm spacing out on my own credits. Carol King? Uh, I wound up working with uh, Dion, uh, Carol King, mm-hmm. um, uh, just... Uh, Desmond uh, Child? Desmond Child. Uh, I, I recorded the demos for You Give Love a Bad Name and Living on a Prayer with Bon Jovi. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, so I, I worked with a lot of great artists, and, and uh, part of the the thing that the hitmen do is um, it's almost like a little Broadway show. It's not that far removed from something like um, Beatlemania, where we tell the backstories of all the artists that we worked with. We have video and still images that run behind us and kind of bring our audience into the experience of what it was like to work with Cat Stevens or work with, you know, Frankie Valli or, or work with Tommy James and the Shondells, you know, in my case. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, of course, we play the music, and we try and keep as close to the original record as we can. And, you know, we started almost six years ago, and, you know, it was kind of like a little bar band. We were playing Mexicali Blues and Teaneck, and uh, now we're like 75 dates a year. We're on, I'm on an airplane almost every weekend going somewhere, and we're playing, you know, sometimes two, three, four thousand 4,000-seat, you know, theaters across the country. And... It's the most fun I ever had, you know, just absolutely, you know, I never would have expected it at, you know, 62 that I'd be doing this. And, mm-hmm. it, and I'm having a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, what else can I tell you? Oh, well, 
you know, it just so happens <laughs> we're rarely in this area, but Thursday, tomorrow, the very day after today, we're in Morristown, New Jersey. Oh, at the Mayo? At the Mayo, yeah, ah. the Mayo Performing Arts Center. So uh, there's still some tickets left, so yeah, that's come on great. down and check us out. And you guys have a date in Queens in April, right? I think we do. I think you are correct. Queens College. You are correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's sort of like a, um, I saw the Rascals the summer before last, and I don't know uh-huh. if you caught them or not, but they had the video all from the from the previous days and so on, and they would mm-hmm. show a piece of video, then they would play some songs. It was getting them to rest, you know, giving them rest in, in the middle of right. the show, obviously. Uh, but well, it worked huge, out huge, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. We do something a little similar to that, actually. Mm-hmm. Um uh, actually, the, the the show ends with video of Jerry singing "Oh What a Night," which of mm. course is the only Four Seasons hit not sung by Frankie Valli. It was right. sung by our drummer Jerry. Right. And uh, we have, you know, we actually sync up, you know, the then and now image of him singing then mm. with the live, you know, now, and it's, mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. effective. It's cool. Right. It still happens re- regarding the Rascals. That Gene, the Rascals guitar player, Gene yeah. Cornish, is right. a good buddy of ours, good uh-huh. friend of mine. And, um, in fact, Ariana has been enlisted to sing a little tune that Gene wrote that we're working on now. Yeah. So stay oh. tuned to see where that goes, but that's Very exciting. Nice. But Gene actually has uh, performed live with the Hitman several times. We do good loving with him. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he's actually going to be on our uh, upcoming record which, you know, with good love. And uh, so that's exciting. And, uh, you know, so I get to hear, you know, a lot of backstory and history of uh, sure. the Rascals from him. Right. And uh, it's amazing, just amazing, you know, because I grew up, you know, listening to those. I-, I thought that was like next to the Beatles, that first Rascals well, record course, was sure. like the Bible to me, you know. Yeah. The first record that opened my ears up to like, wow, you could use Latin percussion, and orchestral instruments in rock and roll, mm-hmm. and it can just be the greatest thing in the world, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, as a musician, I was so drawn to it. It's just, uh, and I still right. love it to this day. So, is there any comment from uh, Frankie himself about what you guys are doing? Well, you know, when we started the thing, we called Frankie. He's still in touch, you know, with Frankie, and kind of to get his blessing. And you know, he said, "You got any problems with us going out and doing it?" And you know, he said, "Go ahead." Oh, you know, great. And uh, there are other bands, other, you know, Four Seasons, you know, copy bands mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who don't have the real guys who right. have been hassled by the, you know, the Four Seasons legal machine. But, uh, you know, we're sort of, uh, we've managed to stay in, you know, Frankie's good graces. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a good thing. It's well, 75 really dates a year is, uh, <laughs> I mean, you're back on the road, no question. Oh, baby, you know it. <laughs> I, I tell people, we play for free. We get paid to travel. Yeah, of course. Because that's really what it feels like. You yeah. know? You know, once we're there, you know, sound check's over. We're ready to rock, and we're, we have a ball. I mean, uh, an hour 45 show goes by in what feels like 20 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. to us. Because mm-hmm. we're having so much fun. It's just the, But the traveling is just so wearing, you know. The flying, the connections, and the layovers and drives. Right. It's kind of crazy. But, you know, it's well, worth it. Let's get into the, the nuts and bolts of actually how you went from doing bar gigs to 75 nights a year. What was it uh, that, that made that? That's a pretty big 
change, you know, going from just playing Mexicali, what is it, Mexicali blues? Mexicali. We play Mexicali and we play some other local, you know, smaller venues, I would say maybe four, three, four hundred seat theaters. Um, and then we got a gig at B.B. King's in Manhattan. Mm. And at the end of the show, this little guy comes up and, and says, uh, you know, I think I can do something with you guys. And that little guy turned out to be our manager now of almost six years. Oh, um, that was Ron? That, that was Ron of Bicoastal <laughs> Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody else was knocking the door. So we said, we'll give you six months. Let's see what you can do. Mm-hmm. And he and his wife, Ran, uh, have been absolute, the dynamic duo of management. And they, you know, went, be, have and continue to go beyond uh, the scope of a traditional manager um, and have gotten involved in helping us mold the show, get the multi-image aspect of the show together, the timing, the pattern, the everything, um, the marketing materials, and they are the hardest working people in show business. Mm-hmm. And they put us on the map and they understand social media and kind of, uh, you know, been you know, beating us over the head with how important it is to have a Facebook presence. And well, isn't Lee really big on Facebook, too? Like Huge. Didn't he? Well, he's the like Hitman had, implemented uh, a year this and a half system. ago, the Hitman had 1,400 friends. Now we have almost 11,000. So, mm. you know, it's really it's great. really been great. And, and we encourage our audience to go on Facebook and like us, and, and it's been working. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it helps, it helps them sell the band because these days promoters, you know, in any business, but in, in particular in, in entertainment, promoters want to see what kind of presence you have, you know, on social media. Mm-hmm. It, 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 if, if they're looking at three similar acts, if they're looking at us and the Midtown Man is, uh, you know, under the street lamp and, and they see that, well, the Hitman have 11,000 friends, you know, well, we're a lot more likely to get the gig, you know, sure. than when we have 1,400. Right. So, now, uh, yeah. in terms of the... Um since this is a music business show, in terms of your the structure and how you get paid, are you paying? Are you playing for flat guarantees, or are you getting percentage of the doors, or how are you doing? I'm not asking you for actual well, numbers, but just well, in general. Well, usually, usually it's a guarantee, mm-hmm. and um, you know they try to build in depending on the venue um, if there's room. Uh, you know, above a certain number, we'll some we'll sometimes get a premium. Like if we sell, you know, at 200 seats over the minimum, we get X amount of dollars. At 400, we get X more. Oh, at okay. six, you know, that kind of thing. Where right. uh, it, it's sort of a guarantee plus. Right. But usually it's a flat guarantee. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's a larger number, and then we pay travel out of that. And other times they pay, they will pay travel, you know, air and ground and accommodations and all that kind of thing. And we have a rider that spells out, you know, pretty much everything about our back line, um, which, sure. you know, uh, is, of course, you know, amplifiers, drums, stage risers, mm-hmm. you know, monitor speakers, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We, we don't travel with that. The, the venues all supply that. Mm-hmm. So that's spelled out very carefully, and over the years we've refined that. 
Um, everything from, you know, what kind of food we like to have backstage to what kind of equipment everybody likes to have and mm-hmm. what keyboards, what bass amp I like, what guitar amp Jimmy likes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So most of the time it, it works out quite well. You know, there are those times where, you know, they obviously don't have it together and didn't read the rider. And we, you know, we're like, our goal is to be the most positive band on the road. You know, we want people to say, those guys were the greatest guys in the world to work with. And so we're flexible, you know. If, mm-hmm. if something's not exactly what we ordered, you know, we'll deal with it. We don't, you know, we don't spinal tap out on it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, generally speaking, we, we get asked back every place we play for the most part. Great. But they do have a good experience of us, and we do a good show. Dave, you have some tweets? Um, no. Uh, Larry. <laughs> no tweets for well, Larry. I'm, I'm sorry. No. Larry, you yes. are, you're the guest for the night, Larry. I just told Todd, forget it. Really? So, yeah. He, he's got to come back on uh, end of April. Okay. I'm sorry. 40 minutes, know. Dad. I'm yeah. so, sorry. Uh-oh. That no, that's, that's fine. So we, we I'm, I was uh, dealing with him. Okay. I can pay attention again. Hello, so, sir. Larry, good to have you on the show. <laughs> first, hey, man, first, first, to be here. first time, long time. Okay, so I, right. I, I I do want to go back to actually. So um, you got what's the name of your manager? I know it's from Bi Coastal Entertainment, right? What's the name of your manager again? Oh, uh, Ron. Ron. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, why am I forgetting Ron's last name? Oh my God. Um, I don't remember either, so <laughs> you're not uh, alone. We'll call him Ron. Uh, I'm just, Ron Gates. Because really in my head, it's always Ron and Fran. Excuse me, I only got three hours of sleep last night, so I'm like trying to be conscious here. Um, I'm sorry that we're and, keeping uh, you up. I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, you know, it'll come to me in a second. But <laughs> That's Ron okay. and his wife, Fran. Ron and his wife, Fran. So what specifically, yeah. so I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, our listeners who are, a lot of them are DIY bands. You know, there are some people who are in cover bands and things like that. Um, what specifically, they found you and they started working really hard, but what do you know what their pitch were, was? Do you know what their plan was with, uh, were they targeting the oldies circuit and looking well, at yeah. casinos I mean, and it, what, were, what were they doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, our demographic is definitely baby boomers, you know. So we're talking our audience is uh, 40 to 90, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say the the bulk of them are like 50 to 70 years old, you know. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, we're trying to revamp our show now to kind of uh, appeal to us. Not, not that much younger, but maybe a 10-year younger audience. So, you know, we're going to try and bring in some, you know, slightly more recent music because, I mean, some of our audience is literally dying, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we need to <laughs> sort of mold the show a little bit to a slightly younger audience. But but it is an oldie show. There's no question about it. And so, you know, they're pretty careful about, in our marketing material, you know, uh, making it clear that we're not a cover band, that we're the actual legacy artists who right. performed you know, with, you know, Carol King and with, you know, Bon Jovi, uh, not, well, no, sorry, I actually recorded for them, but, but worked with, you know, mm-hmm. people like Bon Jovi, worked with uh, uh, Tommy James and Sean Dells, worked with Tom, uh, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, worked with, um, uh, you know, Cat Stevens, worked with, um, you know, all, all of these artists that we represent and play the music of. We have stories to tell of being there in the studio or on stage 
you know, in some capacity working with them. And so that's a big difference between just being a cover band, you know. Exactly. Like so when we have... play a Cat Stevens song that Jimmy played on, I mean, there's no question about like what the parts are and what the interpretation right. is, you know, because he was there. And right. uh, if I'm going to play a Tommy James song, I can refer to working with Tommy, you know, and telling, right. hearing the stories that he told me about crazy things. I mean, the guy can tell stories about physics and politics and not mm -hmm. just music. It's mm -hmm. amazing, you know. Do you guys? And, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, what is it, honey? <laughs> what is it, honey? Um, <laughs> we talked about this in class today. Do you guys have, do you guys go through a, 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 a performance rights organization or the sound exchange? Or do you use any of that? Because... You are singing some original material slash licensed stuff. Is this a valid question? Yeah. Well, it's a valid. It would be a valid question, <laughs> except that we only play covers. We up until now we still don't play any originals. You know. Right. Um, it's you know we have to play that core, you know, cadre of hits that people know of the artists that we work with. That's really our our mm -hmm. big stuff. Mm -hmm. They didn't write these um, songs, so oh. therefore. They don't need right. the pros. Right. Getting an education. No, that's good. That's every that's, every that's minute of the question. day. <laughs> now, of course, when we release a record with this material on it, we get permission from the publishers. You know, of course. so that yeah, of course, have to do that. So, so you guys, and, uh, I could see how an audience would be, especially of that age, would be. Uh, you know, they love to hear stories. I mean, I have. Uh, I was on. Uh, I was in a band on Epic Records in the early seventies. In fact, um, I think twice as we opened up for Frankie Valley, someplace at some college or whatever. But just to start to mention that name to the guys I mountain bike with or something, you know, they all sort of stop dead and they want to hear everything Absolutely. about nothing. But uh, you know that's it's sort of the it's something the audience gets besides the songs, so I see that that could really be uh, legitimate um, to that age group who sort of want to know you know feel like they're in the know and and uh, it's not only a reminisce of what we were doing when that song was popular, but now we know even something about what was happening during that uh, specific time. Well, it's very true that, you know, at, after every show, we do uh, a meet and greet. Mm. We sign CDs. And, uh, and in fact, if you have, you know, or if members of your audience are musicians and aspiring musicians, um, I, I will say that having, and you probably can relate to this as well, having been in the music industry, that, you know, back in the 80s, you were striving to get a record deal, and that's where you'd make your money. And, uh, you know, CD sales would generate the bulk of your income if you were lucky to have a hit. These days, you make a CD to support your live show. Mm -hmm. And so for us, you know, everything about, you know, creating a CD is that it's a marketing tool, ultimately. To and merch. It, it's merch, yeah, yeah. it's merch. And, of course, we sell much more, we sell many more CDs at the concerts than we do online on CD Baby or iTunes, you know. Right, right. So, uh, and it can be a, a nice little revenue generator, you know, to do it. So I would say even a young artist starting out, it's a worthwhile investment to have a CD that looks and sounds good to sell at 
whatever shows you do, you know, because you will sell some. Mm-hmm. And it's a good way to expand your audience base, you know, because you get to meet people, shake hands, sign your CD, and, you know, kind of like you, know, you make sure that the, the band website and the Facebook website are all there printed on the CD, you know, so it's, it helps with promoting the, the social media aspect. Um, mm-hmm. So what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about that age group that um, comes out to see the show. And that they and want the more than just the music. They yeah. want the, uh, the story so what behind it. What I regarding that was that after every show at this meet and greet, it's amazing how many people bring that up and say, man, we love the stories. We yeah. love hearing about this and that. And it was, they really do. Yeah. Um, it means a lot to them. They, they feel, you know, like they're being let in, you know, like, come on backstage. Let me show you what really goes yeah, on. It's exactly like, you know. Right. You know, they want to see the man behind the curtain, and it just and it really is a great part of the show, and it's a big part of the show. Right. We do have right. a tweet, a question for you via tweet. Okay. Um, this one's coming at you from German Sanchez. Herman. Herman. Right. Math musician three one four. What's the difference between a legacy band or a cover band, Dad? Um, <laughs> a legacy band or a band of legacy performers actually works with the artists whose music they play. A cover band could be anyone who just learns and plays the music of a particular artist but has no background or no history in working with a particular artist. So they're just playing the covers, and yeah. Uh, yeah. that's really the difference. I mean, legacy performance were actually there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was in the studio with Tommy James. Uh, Lee and Jerry were in the band, in the studio, and on the road live playing with Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons as two of the Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. Jimmy really was with Car- with um, Carly Simon on the road for 21 years and in the studio, even doing some vocal arranging and band arranging. Uh, he was in the studio with Cat Stevens, you know. So uh, though, that's the difference. That's yeah. the difference. It's, a, it's a great distinction, though, because we had... Um, a couple guests on twice from Blue Raven Entertainment, um, Sean Gilday and Rachel Hill. And um, they manage and uh, book gigs for uh, tribute bands. Right. And to them, there's a quite a difference between a cover band and a tribute band. Mm-hmm. A tribute band being a little bit more high level. A cover band is what I'm in. But tribute bands are bands more closer to you guys, meaning they're going out, they're getting paid fifteen hundred minimum per gig. Like the Led Zeppelin right. band. That yeah, yeah. Cashmere is one of their bands actually, who just performed here. Yeah, who's right. a Led Zeppelin tribute band? They dress like it, and it's right. Uh, yeah, um, we see a lot of those bands um, every year. We do a showcase in at the Hilton in New York called APAF. I think the Association of yeah. Producers and uh, something or other. For college. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, all of the buyers and, and promoters for, you know, theaters and performing arts centers and colleges across the country come to see acts at APAP. And so uh, you see everybody there from known quantities like Blood, Sweat, and Tears in Chicago to the Hitmen to uh, cover bands, you know, like a, a guy that Ron and Fran managed that's a great Paul McCartney you know, tribute band, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that any of them actually have worked with McCartney in any capacity, but they do, it is, as you say, a higher level. I and mean, he really gets to the minutiae of all of the parts. And 
you know, it's quite impressive. You know, it's a real, it's more of a show, again, than just yeah. going to hear a cover band, you know, mm-hmm. like a top 40 band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there is more, uh, it's more sculpted, you know, there's, there's uh, lighting and projection and images and stories and, you know, so they may not be backstories like we can tell of actually being there, but still they can draw the audience in in a similar way with being more accurate and having images that tie in with the song, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those bands do actually pretty well. Too. I mean, in terms of the, uh, they can absolutely. You know, yeah. I mean, there's if there a great was... one that we see every year. That's a, a, a an Eagles tribute band. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I think they're called Hotel California, actually, uh-huh. and they're they're really great. We have really great. We have coming on the air on April thirteenth. Uh, this guy Glenn Burtnick, who you oh, Glenn probably recognize. Yeah. Glenn uh, was in Sticks and was a songwriter, had some hits in the 80s, but he also does a couple different sort of tribute band type things. One is happening here on campus at the end of April called Summer of Love. And this is uh, a show he does every year, and they do the music of 1967. Mm-hmm. Then he does another tribute type concert at uh, Christmas time in Redback at the Count Basie Theater. But they're going to be here talking about a lot of the stuff that. that you know, we're talking with you in terms of the quality of the of the musicianship that's taking place. Well, they they have you know Glenn's an excellent musician. I think Glenn was in Beatlemania actually, also. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was He's the a, original Beatlemania. I think with Marshall Crenshaw. Exactly. I forget who the exactly. other two guys were. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Marshall yeah. Crenshaw played uh, Don Lennon. I think. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not too many people know that. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> we just lost uh, two thirds of our audience, but. Very good. Very good. Right. Um, That's interesting. So, you you can't could if you guys wanted could you do this for a living? Could you go out on the road three hundred nights? I mean, besides the physical, physically, could your bodies take it? But three hundred nights a year and make a living doing this? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. At seventy five dates a year, we're making a living. We're it's really beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, we do quite well. So you could, you could, so five of you full time in the band. Yes. Okay. Actually, well, it's it's like five plus one. We have we have a uh, 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 road manager slash front house engineer plus video operator that travels with us, Eric. So he's like the sixth hit man, Um, and uh, so we really have our little you know lean and mean machine or entourage that you know can you know head off any potential problems and, you know, Eric kind of interfaces with the, with the uh, staff and, you know, management of, of the theater and gets the merch situation straightened out and uh, sometimes mixes monitors uh, when, when there's, you know, no monitor engineer on stage, which we always prefer, but in a pinch you can mix, monitor, mix monitors and front of house and run our video from, uh, from a MacBook Air, you know, and uh, get the projector interfaces and all that. a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff to do, especially on a one-off show where you're coming in cold and they may not know our show. So we try to be very organized and, uh, you know, you know, things like showing up early and showing up prepared uh, go a long way when you're trying to establish yourself as an act because a, a lot of it is just like, 
what experience did the promoter or the presenter have of you? And even if you didn't sell out, like even if you only had, if you only had a half a house your first show, if they had a great experience of you, of you and you were easy to work with and they saw that the audience response was great, they're much more likely to ask you back, you know, because they'll sell more tickets. That's very often the case with the hitmen. The hitmen are like a tough sell because, you know, we don't have a name. Like, we're not the Shondells or we're not the Shy Lights. We're, mm-hmm. we're the hitmen. Who are the hitmen? You know, so you've got to get through that extra layer of sell. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's hard to fill a theater first time. Right. Second time, word of mouth fills the rest of the house. So mm-hmm. once we're asked back a second time, uh, we usually are playing to a full house or a nearly full house. Mm-hmm. And most of the savvy promoters understand that and they're willing to take that risk with you first if they're willing to take the risk the first time they know that they may not sell out the first show but second show on they're going to fill they're going to fill the place up because mm-hmm. we always deliver you know so you know that's to anybody coming up you know trying to establish themselves as a live act you know the more together you are and the more of a positive attitude that you uh, show promoter and the staff um the 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 more successful you're going to be obviously you got to deliver you have to be good you know you have to you have to be a good band you have to entertain the people but it's a package it's you know it's that alone won't necessarily do it you got to have that and you got to have the you know the positive attitude and you got to have I had this total together vibe, you know, where, you know, you have the right people with you and you have the answers to all the questions mm-hmm. and you can, you know, pose it in a way that isn't intimidating to people and, and they, they want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would have been this professional 50 years ago when you were, how old are you now? You said you're, you're 62, 62. So 40 years yeah. ago when you were say 22, were you this uh, professional back then? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no way. <clears throat> no, no. So, I mean, I mean, that, that, I mean you know, that's a difference. I'm sure club owners, promoters love working with you guys because you do show up on time and you do show up sober and you show up. And so you not put, like rowdy kids, yeah, like yeah, old dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But they can trust you. You know, they trust that, um, you know, we're going to book you and you're going to put on a great show and you're going to be here. You're going to do everything. Like you said, you're going to show up early. You're going to stay late. And you're going to really give this extra value to our consumers. Um, my wonderful, fabulous co-host, Dr. Esteban Marconi, was just... Uh, that is I. That is you. <laughs> you. was just put into the Syracuse Area Music Hall, Hall of Fame. Woo! Right? And, uh, for hey. his, Lifetime Achievement. That's right. Lifetime Achievement Award for the band that he mentioned earlier from Epic Records' uh, Jam Factory. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they got back together for the first time. When was the last time you guys had played together? 40-something years 45 ago? 45 years 45 yeah. years ago. So they got back together for this one-time gig. You know, they had their Beatles, Beatles anthology moment. And um, so you guys said, okay, we're going to have practice at whatever you said, 3 o'clock. And your question to them when they said 3 o'clock was... What are we going to play? No, no, no. Is that 3 o'clock real time oh, or rock and roll time? That's what I said, yes. Because what would have happened in the past? Th- it's the rehearsals at 3. Is the real time or rock and roll time? Because Correct. rock and roll time, they could say 3, and then it might start at 6, 6.30. But all of us, of course, are around the same age as you, and we were saying the same thing, that now, you know, you get there at 3. And you yeah. do the rehearsal, <laughs> and then you get out of there. 
Uh, yeah, so that was that was true. Um, and getting back to what Dave said, sure, 40 years ago, it might have started maybe not six, but it certainly might wouldn't have started at three. Well, you didn't know? you have some story? You were, you were playing at the Madison Square Garden or something, and you showed up. Was it the garden or somewhere you showed up no, on no, time? No, I was or? playing. He'll remember this. I was playing at the Capitol Theater. Oh, okay. I'm just in, saying. Uh, when I got down here from Syracuse in the 80s, um, some radio show that uh, I guess probably John Cher was um, promoting, mm-hmm. and it was most of Bruce's people, not Bruce, but his wife was there, Marshall Crenshaw was there, and the E Street Band and so on. So uh, I knew Richie LaBamba uh, Rosenberg, you know, who does Conan. He's the head of Conan's yeah. band, actually. And um, so they said 3 o'clock rehearsal, you know. So I came at 3, and it was just the janitor and me till about 4 or so. Then one or two guys started to come in. And the radio was live at 7, I think. And it wasn't sure. until... Six o'clock, that we started to do anything, you know, that was going to be a rehearsal for the show. So I had to just um, remind myself that it was rock and roll, <laughs> you know. Three o'clock meant nothing, really. Yeah. Just and that. I find that you know, in my, you know, I guess it, 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 things have changed. Most theater, most presenters and theaters are a lot more buttoned up now. I mean, there are. There's always an exception. Yeah, but, no, you're right. You know, usually if we have an 8 o'clock show, we'll show up at 4.30, you know, and mm-hmm. be, like, sound-checking by 5. Right. And if it's smooth, we're done by 6, and we have, you know, mm-hmm. a little dinner and chill and then play the show at 8, you know. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's better for everybody. It's better for them. It's better sure. for us, you know, to to really get there early and get, you know, get things buttoned up and then you know that way on the rare occasion where oh there's a problem with the sound system or there's a problem with the lights or there's a problem with the projector you know you have time to kind of work it out without being you know frantic you know doors are opening people are coming in what do we do you know Mm -hmm. it it gets you know that's when you get that uh, rock and roll panic feeling you know right um which i guess some people like but i don't (laughs) not anymore anyway no no definitely not so. All right, so, Dave, we have any other tweets? Um, the no? other tweets, that we actually did get a couple of tweets, but we already talked about everything. Oh. I mean, the, the, the tweets concern things that um, Larry had already spoken about. Very thorough. Yes, because he's, he's a thorough person. Right. Oh, okay, hold on. Um, okay, Larry... From Xander. Oh, yeah. sorry. Here, oh, let here me is read a, it. Let me read, read this tweet for your father. Okay, Xander Mark says to Larry Gates, "How did you manage to get yourself on so many well-known commercial jingles like Kodak?" Wow, he did his research because you didn't say that. Good job, Xander. He's my man. Yeah. Good job. Wow. Well, um, the Kodak disc. Starting, starting. I have a very maybe one of my oldest and dearest friends. His name is Larry Hockman. Uh, it just so happens that uh, his daughter Lori is now one of Ariana's best friends. But Larry Hockman and I go back to junior high school music class. That's how long we know each other. And he, just to give you an idea of what level of musician he is, he's like the preeminent Broadway orchestrator now. I mean, he's done Spam a Lot, uh, Book of Mormon, all the top wow. shows orchestrated by Larry Hockman. But back in the late 70s, we started a production company together, Newfound Music Productions, and uh, started doing some local jingles. 
And we hooked up with a couple of local uh, ad agencies in uh, in the northern New Jersey area and started doing these spots for Georgia Pacific and um, uh, different some different banks, you know, New Jersey State Bank, uh, and and we did these like local kind of uh, jingles and underscores and. Uh, I met a guy who was producing industrial shows who needed music, so we started doing those. And uh, so that involved kind of, you know, learning not only music production, but radio production, voiceover production, uh, you know, as as an engineer, which I also am, learning how to mix music for on-air, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. know, getting the – the relative balances between voices and music correct with sound effects, so learning to use sound effects libraries and creating different ambiances and all that kind of stuff. So it was a good, you know, kind of, you know, boot camp for learning the music industry. Mm-hmm. And then we had, we had a bunch of this stuff on a reel, you know, that sounded pretty good. And I think it was Larry Hockman who was at some party in New York and met this gal named Linda Kaplan who was a producer at J. Walter Thompson and was looking for some young talent because they had uh, some new accounts that they needed music for, and she had written a song for Boys R Us and wanted kind of a fresh treatment for it. And uh, she took a shot with us after hearing what we had done. She said, you know, these guys are pretty good. I'm going to give them a shot. And uh, we fortunately, you know, knocked it out of the ballpark. And that kind of put us on the map with a major New York ad agency. So, you know, a lot of it was, you know, being at the right place at the right time, but also having the goods, you know, having a reel, having something to play. And then, uh, you know, taking it very seriously and rising to the challenge. And, of course, you know, with uh, I had a good sense of how to, you know, kind of get a rhythm section to sound good. And, of course, Hockman just had the whole orchestration thing so together even way back then, you know, that uh, it was a kind of a, you know, a Lennon-McCartney moment. You know, we had a good simpatico and our, our talents overlapped in just the right way. And then they started giving us other spots and then we started working, branching out with other agencies and uh, eventually moved our operation into Manhattan, built a studio that I mentioned earlier on 26th and Broadway and uh, you know, when we started, you know, getting these bigger accounts like Kodak and Nestle's and Nestle and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it was a tough business. It was, you know, uh, in, in retrospect, I can't say that I loved all of it, you know, because it's kind of like uh, creativity by committee. I don't know if you can relate to that, but, mm-hmm. you know, you write something, and by the time everybody's had their hand on it, it doesn't really resemble your original intent that much, but you kind of learn that you have to be flexible uh, to, you know, be a part of that machine, you know. But it, it, in its heyday, we had some really tremendous moments. I mean, it was really exciting, for example, to write an orchestral spot for maybe for the 86 Olympics, uh, we did a big Kodak campaign and uh, Richie Havens sang all the leads. So we worked really closely and got to be good friends with Richie. Uh, your younger audience is probably not going to know who he is, but all the baby boomers certainly will. He, 
he was the opening act at Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Richie oh, Havens. I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, absolutely, and a great talent, a great voice, very recognizable. Yeah, voice. very neat. Uh, it was a lot of fun to work with, and so we write this arrangement, you know, and put the final tweaks on it, like maybe on a Friday night. Monday morning, we'd show up at a studio like Automated or A and R, you know, where Phil Ramone, you know, mm-hmm. used to hang his hat, and I'd sit down behind a big Neve console, and uh, we'd have 26 musicians, like a little symphonette, come in with, you know, three percussionists and woodwinds and strings all live, and mic them all up and push the fader up and the faders up and then Hoffman would lift his baton and there it would be, you know, the thing that we wrote that we heard in our heads Friday night, it's coming through the speakers and what a rush that was. That mm-hmm. was really exciting. Those mm-hmm. were those were exciting moments. Well this has been an uh, exciting this is I'm gonna have to cut you off, I'm sorry. Sorry, Dad. That's okay. I, I feel terrible because um, if you hadn't kept talking, it was going to sound cool because I was going to say this has been an exciting moment having you on. You actually saved us tonight. Larry. Well, I'm, I'm yes. happy to have a bit of service. No, it was very interesting. You did. In fact, we'll have the school reimburse you for all of your daughter's tuition for the next uh, three years. Yeah. She's staying all back. All of it. Bad grades. She's yeah. staying back. <laughs> but this has been Larry Gates of the Hitmen, and we want to thank Larry Gates. Woo! LG, the LG. And they are performing at the Mayo Performing Arts Center in Morristown tomorrow night. Which is March 24th. We are 24th. indeed. We are indeed. Yep, March 24th. Mm-hmm. Night 2016, that's right. <laughs> so um, we're going to go to a quick break, and then we'll come back with a couple words of of goodbye. But, Larry, thank you very much for saving us and for uh, sharing your knowledge. It was actually really good, so thank you so much. My very great pleasure. All right, and we will be right back on Music Biz 101 and more. Brave New Radio 88.7 WPSC. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, turn into WP88.7, Brave New Radio. We got managers, producers, record labels, concert promoters galore. You never know what's in store on music, Biz 101 and more. You never know what's in store on music, Biz 101 and more. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. We're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. We are back. By the way, we never mentioned that the theme song we have is the Ally Mac Project, The World Is Ours. Go to SoundCloud, go to iTunes, buy it, listen to it. Great song. Allison McKenzie, she won a contest. So uh, we were just talking, we were thanking Ariana Gates for having her father step in. Step in. Yes, um, it was all my doing. It's, it's right. <laughs> right. But, it, but it was, that, was, that was actually a really good interview because we got to learn a different side of the industry and how he, in a later stage, was able to, he, can, he said he's making a living playing live gigs, just right. live gigs and merch. I know that uh, Ariana made a um, note of that in her head for maybe a new car or something. <laughs> no, you know. right. He's not telling, he's broke. He's not broke. Yeah. Zach, can I get money for the movies? No, honey, you can't. Now you know. Now you know. Exactly. Well, it was was either that or you tap dancing, and uh, I think that would have sort of 
you know, ruin the night after about five minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, because I'm a great tap dancer for five minutes. But it wouldn't really come through on a... Uh... The sounds I make are... So, they're they're, they're modern-day hip-hop beats. Okay, cool, 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 cool. The, the yeah. guys in Sweden use my foot beats uh, to create right. uh, for, for, like, Ariana Grande, for example. Yeah. Right, and he has a great face for radio, too. So that would have yeah. helped. When I'm on when I'm on the radio, I'm so attractive. Yes. Yeah, I love myself for so it. So next week we have next week we have Jim Mahoney, mm-hmm. who is the United States GM for Merlin. Merlin, the the whale, the 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 the, the what what is it? <laughs> Merlin is actually the uh, magician. Uh, no, it is not a magician. Uh, Merlin is the rights organization for over twenty thousand independent labels yep. throughout the world and Merlin represents all these independent labels when it comes to digital rights management exactly. and putting yep. deals together for Spotify, for Pandora, mm-hmm. for Sa- SoundCloud's going to have a new streaming service. For all service. the little guys. Yep, so they represent all of those and it's actually it's a bigger deal. Not a lot of people know about Merlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and Merlin is like Sound Exchange. We're going to have somebody from Sound Exchange in uh, in about a month, but we're getting Mm-hmm. If you're listening to all these podcasts, we're getting a little bit deeper, and we're getting actually some really um, high-quality guests Pertinent. who are covering some really great stuff. Yeah. Is he going to be live? Jim? Yes. He's, he's, he's going to call in. Oh. He, he'll call in live, right. but he won't be in the room yeah. with us. God, I want yeah. to dress again. No. It's, it's so funny to have you here naked. Oh, yeah. God. Week in and week out. <laughs> oh. So there's not much attraction there. <laughs> Right. right. Yeah. So, uh, how much time do we have, Brianka? Is it time to sign off, or you what? So now, okay. So it is time to sign off. So we should give all of our thanks. We want to thank uh, Larry Gates for calling in. What more time for Larry Gates? Thank you, Larry Gates. We want to thank Bianca Russo for making it appear seamless. She's a seamless gal. A seamless gal, Bianca Russo. We want to thank our student co-host Ariana Gates, daughter of Larry, for thank being you. here, making it right. happen. Thank you. And of course, we need to thank Dr. Esteban Marconi, the Hall of Famer. And yes, Professor David Kirkfield. That is I. I am your professor. I am your David Kirkfield professor, and we want to thank you for listening to Music Biz 101 and more Brave New Radio 80.7 WPSC on the campus of William Patterson University. Listen next week, 8 p.m. Go to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Listen to, to, to Music Biz 101 and more. But uh, it's, uh, this is obvious. So until we say hello again, it's very important that you understand that we're not going to say goodbye. We are going to say adios.